You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. does not overlook our sin. Would we want to live in a society where the police say, well, you know, people will be people and close their eyes to robberies and murders? Of course not. We want our police to enforce the law, but God does neither. He doesn't ignore our sin, nor does he wipe us out because of our sin. Instead, he has washed us clean and taken our sins away by the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. This is what the gospel tells us. Today with Pastor Dave, you'll learn that Jesus wasn't like any other being that had walked the earth. He did things wildly different than the Pharisees. But that's the beautiful thing about the Lord. He doesn't do things like everyone else. Rather than destroy and discredit, He forgives and washes you clean. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 7. As he begins his message, no man ever spoke like this. chapter 7 in this glorious gospel that John is writing. We know that it is the last day of the great feast. We know that the procession of priests are making their way back from the pool of Cylon. They have the golden jugs on their shoulders, but the jugs are empty. There are no water, and it's very symbolic. We talked about it last week. The crowds are awaiting at the temple steps. They're singing praises to the Lord. They're singing these praises. They're having a wonderful time of worship. And as the priests reach the steps of the temple, as they symbolically tip their jugs to pour water out, that's not there, by the way, Jesus stands up before the crowd and he cries out in a loud voice, if anyone thirst, let him come and drink of me. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. People were stunned when they heard his voice. They were taken aback. No one reacted adversely because something about his voice rang true. There was something about in his eyes that caught their attention. There was something about the inflection of his voice. There was something about the way he talked that caused people to take notice, caused them to ponder, and caused them to listen intently to his words. No man ever spoke like that. Jesus spoke powerful words that struck deep into their hearts. Words that were delivered with authority, words that were delivered with power, and words that were delivered with love. No man ever spoke like that. What was it about Jesus' words that left people talking? The words Jesus was speaking were life-changing, life-giving, life-transforming words. And they had power behind them. Of course no man ever spoke like that. Jesus was not an ordinary man. When he spoke, he spoke with authority. When he spoke, he spoke with power. When he delivered a message, it had the power of God behind it. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1. 
in Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. I'm sure most of you can quote it by heart, but let me read it. Paul writes this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now here the apostle Paul is declaring that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel for two reasons. The one reason was that it revives men's soul. Only the gospel gives life. Only the gospel can give life. Man is dead to sin. And without the words of Jesus Christ, without the gospel, we just go through the motions of living. We're just wandering around aimlessly. We don't even know why we exist. In fact, we usually question, why am I here? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation. The gospel is literally the dynamic, the dunamis dynamic power that can turn people's lives completely around and give them a reason for living. Ladies and gentlemen, you can take all the social programs in the world. You can take all the social programs in the world as good as they are. And you can take those social programs and you can take the drunkard. You can take the addict. You can take someone who's steeped in sin and buy those new programs. You can put new clothes on them. But what these programs cannot do is put a new man in them. These social programs are a bust without Jesus Christ. They don't work. Just say no to drugs doesn't work without Jesus Christ. Second reason Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel is that the gospel reveals God's love. God does not overlook our sin. Would we want to live in a society where the police say, well, you know, people will be people and close their eyes to robberies and murders? Of course not. We want our police to enforce the law, but God does neither. He doesn't ignore our sin, nor does he wipe us out because of our sin. Instead, he has washed us clean and taken our sins away by the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. This is what the gospel tells us. The words of Jesus Christ have the power to revolutionize men from the inside out. We used to sing a song called The Inside Out. And it goes, from the inside out, my soul cries out. What does it cry out for? One true living God. My soul cries out for the one true living God. Jesus said, come and drink of me. I will satisfy your thirst. I will satisfy your hunger. And I will satisfy the crying of your soul. I will satisfy those needs like no other because I will show you to a relationship with God the Father, your creator. And I will do this for you. All you have to do is come to me and drink. Come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me if you're hungry and I will feed you this manna from heaven because I am the bread of life. And he said it with the authority and power of God. This is what the people heard that great day in Israel. At the great feast, they heard an urgency in Jesus' voice. Remember, he is six months from the cross. Six months away from the cross, they heard a plea to return to God, a plea to get right with God. These aren't new words from Jesus. Jesus' message has never changed since day one. On day one of his ministry, what was his message? Repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. That has always been his message, and it will always be his message. The message has never changed. But the result of Jesus' declaration, all who are thirsty, come to me and drink, had the same results as before, 
division. Same results. Let's look at 40 to 42. Therefore, why do we need therefore? We got to know what it's there for. Because of what he said. Because he said, come to me and drink if anyone's thirsty. The crowd, when they heard this, they said, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? Once again, we see this major division happening. You remember back in the early verses of John 7, specifically John 7, 12, the people said, he's a good man. No, 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 he's a deceiver. Remember they had that argument? Then in John 7, 31, they said, is he the Christ? Once again, people are confused about the identity of Jesus Christ. Some said one thing, some said another. But nobody knew who he was, but everybody had an opinion. Isn't it the same today? One cannot be confronted with Jesus Christ and remain neutral. Let me say that again. One cannot be confronted with the true Messiah, the true Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, and remain neutral. Even Jesus himself said, if you're not with me, you're against me. And you've heard the old coin phrase, and if you're undecided, you've decided. Everybody must decide for themselves. There's no middle of the road when it comes to Jesus Christ. Some said, truly, he was the prophet. What are they talking about? They're talking about Deuteronomy 18. In Deuteronomy 18, verses 15, it says, the Lord, Moses is speaking, said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear, according to all you desire of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see the great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them all that I commanded. That's the prophet they're talking about. This prophet that Moses said they would raise up. They were expecting Moses. They were expecting somebody exactly like Moses. Go to Israel today. They're still expecting Moses. They're still expecting the prophet. They're still expecting him. Buses drive by. Great big buses like our public service buses. They have great big signs on them that says, the Messiah is coming. Boy, are they right. Boy, are they right. Others says, he's the Christ, meaning he's the Messiah. He's the anointed one, the one God was sent. Sadly, if they really examined the evidence, they would have come to the conclusion that he was the Christ. That he was the Christ. He is indeed the Son of God. Instead, they let their prejudices form their opinions. Will Christ come from Galilee? Remember, they had a really poor, poor opinion of the Galileans. Remember Nathaniel? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Some rejected Jesus just because they were ignorant of not knowing the truth about him. They did not know that Jesus was really born in Jerusalem. And he fulfilled the prophecy of the Messiah being born in Jerusalem in Micah 5.2. You usually read it around Christmas time. But in Micah 5, 2, it simply says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. They know this to mean the Messiah. 
This tells them where the Messiah is going to be born. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Did they not know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Look at 33 and 34. So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. The division gets worse. Why? Because the Greek word used for division here implies a violent dissension. Getting a little pushy. So people were choosing sides. Some were taking Jesus' cause and believing in him. Others wanted to arrest him. And you know what the religious leaders wanted to do? They simply wanted to get rid of him. Let's kill him and get him out of the way. No one laid hands on him. They did try to arrest him, though, but their arrest was unsuccessful. No one laid hands on him. It wasn't because the arresting officers were incompetent, but as we discussed before, it was because the time wasn't right. And it was impossible for Jesus to be stopped until the Father's timing was perfect. But deep inside the officer's heart, they heard something that they never heard before. Something rang true in their heart. These officers of the church, these officers sent by the Pharisees, something came in there. Oh, now listen, they've heard many rabbis speak. They've heard many rabbis speak. They used to guard the temples. They used to be there. They heard the rabbis teach and teach and teach and teach. But this man's words were different. Different to the point than when they were asked by the Pharisees, why did you fail to bring him to us? They simply said, no man never spoke like that. Look at verses 45 and 46. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. I read one commentator who said a pretty funny thing. It's as if the arresting officer said, we went to arrest him, but he ended up arresting us. Imagine these men, these officers testifying about Jesus Christ, about his words. They're testifying in front of the Pharisees. This guy speaks with such clarity. This guy speaks with such generosity. This guy speaks with such love, such authority. Nobody's ever spoken like that. In fact, you don't even speak like that. 47 and 48. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Once again, going back to one of our favorite topics, these religious leaders are so caught up in their religious box that they can't see the facts honestly. They continue to pass judgment upon Jesus based on their own prejudices and their own superficial examination of the facts. Their pride was so plain, their pride was so evident that they were even contemptible of their own common people. These people don't even know the law. What did they hope for? They hoped to shame and intimidate those who didn't arrest Jesus with this idea. All the smart people and all the intelligent people and all the spiritual people don't follow Jesus. Did you ever hear that argument? Has anybody ever said that to you? Well, if you were truly intelligent, you wouldn't follow Jesus Christ. Let me take it one step better. You following Jesus Christ? Oh, you must be mentally ill. You know, it's easy for us to label people instead of investigating the facts for ourselves, isn't it? It's so easy to call people's names when we don't agree with them. It's so easy to shout out names and point out their misgivings when we don't agree with them or have a different opinion. But basically, these officers were being told by the Pharisees, don't be duped by this Galilean. 
After all, we're the ones with the intelligence. We have the degrees to prove it. Look, we're the ones who have the smarts around here. You're going for this guy who's just a carpenter's son. They're basically saying, have any of the really important people believed in him? You know, like the Pharisees? Have anybody else believed in him? You guys didn't, do you? Good. We shouldn't find this hard to believe. We really shouldn't find this hard to believe because those who are supposedly intelligent refuse to believe upon Jesus Christ. For that matter, many religious leaders also reject Jesus Christ as God because God has hidden the truth from the wise and the prudent and has revealed those truths to humble spiritual babies like us. He's revealed his truth to them. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He was one of the most intelligent Pharisees of all times. He was a well-respected rabbi when the Lord knocked him off his horse. Why? So that he would acknowledge Jesus Christ as the resurrected Son of God. In fact, Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 31. Let me read these. Great scriptures here. I love these scriptures. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. I love that. Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble. Why? God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the mighty, the base things of the world, and the things that are despised, the things that are not, to bring them that they are. Why? Here's the kicker, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You need an example of this, folks? Just look right up here. This is your example. This is your example. Struggled all through high school, had terrible grades all through high school, but wasn't for my participation in track and cross country when I never thought about going to college. Struggled all through college. Struggled, barely got out. Didn't get various teaching jobs because my grades weren't good enough. I was a freak. I was a fool. I was crazy. I lived a wild, goofy life. God had a plan. He had a plan. How could I ever glory in anything that I accomplished? How could I ever glory in anything that I accomplished? You know, I have looked and looked and looked high and low for my degrees, my certificate. I got a bachelor's in industrial education from the University of North Texas. I got a master's in industrial education from Colorado State. I can't find them anywhere. I can't find them anywhere. There's a purpose for that. There's a reason for that. God doesn't want me to glory in those pieces of paper. I can't even find my bachelor's of ministry from Trinity Biblical University. There's a reason for that. God doesn't want me to glory in paper. He wants me to glory in what he accomplished. What he's accomplishing. How could I ever glory in anything but him? How could we ever glory in anything but what he has done for us? 
Even in the hardest times, even at the worst times, folks, God is still at work in your lives, loving you, strengthening you, encouraging you, doing all the wonderful things in your lives that he does so wonderfully. How could we ever glorify in our flesh what I accomplished? Look what I did. I mean, these people, you see a name and 4,000 things of alphabets behind them. They're going to tell you how pompous and how great they are. What? God's chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The weak things to confound the mighty. Jesus Christ became our wisdom from God. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He's our redemption. So that we would glory only and solely in him. Oh, you can glory in your flesh. Look what I did. And when somebody pats you on the back, that's your reward. That's your reward. If you want to glory in your flesh, go ahead. God doesn't respect anything accomplished in the flesh. Just look at Abraham, Ishmael, and Isaac. Abraham went into Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, and had a son. Named him Ishmael. Years later, 13 years later or so, God said to him, you're going to have a son of your own seed. Abraham said, oh, that Ishmael may walk before you. God said, no way. No way. Isaac will be the son of the seed. Isaac will be the son of the promise. God does not recognize the flesh. How can you glory in something that God doesn't recognize? So as we finish this chapter, look at verses 50 and 51. Nicodemus, there's a name we haven't heard for a while. He who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said, Does our law judge a man before he hears him and knows what he is doing? You know, you could make it up, bless you. You could make an argument that these Pharisees were getting ready to send these guys back out. Go back out and arrest him until Nick stands up. Until Nick stands up and says, yo guys, you mean we're not even going to listen to the man? We're not even going to see what he's doing? How can we possibly do this? This doesn't seem fair. Where's the fairness in this? Let's consider Jesus' words and Jesus' works. Why? Jesus always pointed to the works. The only thing I do is what the Father is doing. He pointed to his words. The only thing I say is what the Father is saying. Jesus knew that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. He knew that. He told people, if you don't believe in me for what I say, believe in me for what I do. His works and his words go hand in hand. His works and his words go hand in hand. The miracles point to the message. And the message interprets the spiritual meaning of the miracles. He pointed to his deity, repeatedly urged people to pay attention to his words. But what do we hear in verse 52? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. You hear the sarcasm in their voices? You hear the sarcasm disdain by these religious leaders, these guys who are so pompous? The only thing these guys could do would be ridicule Nicodemus. I don't know about you folks, but I find nothing has changed. When you cannot answer an argument, you attack the speaker. When we speak of Jesus, all most people can do is ridicule us and put us down. They use sarcasm. They put us down. Just because someone doesn't believe in Jesus doesn't make his words any less true. Jesus' words are true. They come from God himself. Jesus is the Savior of the world. You are. Sure.
We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.